Good afternoon. Welcome to our study of the Psalms as we read and jump through a few of the different Psalms from Psalms through uh, 1 through 150. Today we are reading uh, Psalm chapter 110. Uh, Psalm 110 is the Psalm that I'm reading today. And today's Psalm is a Psalm of David written by uh, David himself. And, And today's Psalm actually refers and kind of points to the Messiah to come. Uh, So this is going to be an interesting psalm to read, Psalm 110, uh, as David talks about and points forward to the Messiah, the the ruler that that was to come or that would come eventually uh, through the line of David. And so we start Psalm 110 uh, with verse 1. So verse 1 says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Uh, So the introduction here says, the Lord says to my Lord. Uh, So the beginning, uh, the Lord Yahweh, this is what David is referring to. This is uh, the word that that David uses. He says, the Yahweh says to my Adonai, which is Lord or ruler. Um, So the idea is that David is referring to someone who is above him, someone who is superior to him, because if David is the king, Uh, He is presumably the highest in rank or in position in the kingdom of Israel. But he says, Yahweh, or my God, says to my God, or to to my ruler, to my king, to my Adonai, uh, he says with the second Lord. So David is referring to someone other than himself. He's not referring to himself. Uh, And and none could be greater than, than the great Messiah that was to come, the promise that God would establish this eternal ruler through the line of David. So David is referring to this Messiah to come. He says, sit at my right hand. The right hand was the position of power uh, before God. So so this Adonai, this ruler, this king, this Messiah would sit at the right hand of God, would sit in the, in the seat of power before God, and would then make, um, would then have all of his enemies be, be made the footstool uh, to his feet, to the Lord, to the Adonai's feet. Uh, so the idea is that all these enemies would be conquered. And so the idea of a footstool uh, was that uh, you would place, obviously, uh, it's kind of self-explanatory, a footstool is something that you rest your feet on. Uh, but the idea with the kingship in the footstool was that your enemies, those you conquered, would then be your footstool. They would be the people that you rested your feet on. And it was kind of uh, a form or a way of expressing complete conquest, complete conquering of these enemies. And so uh, this Messiah would completely conquer all of his enemies. And so verse 2 says, Psalms 110 verse 2 says, The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy majesty from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. So verse 2, uh, the Lord is extending his, this, this Yahweh, the Lord, is extending uh, the Adonai, the Messiah's mighty scepter from Zion, uh, to rule in the midst of uh, his enemies. And so the idea of this mighty scepter was the rod of power, uh, it was the rod through which the king ruled. And so the fact that it comes from Zion is kind of this idea that uh, it would come from the people of Israel, that it would come from the temple, that it would come from uh, the position of religious religious worship or authority. And so this, this king, this Messiah, 
would have his authority rooted in this spirituality that is connected to, to God, that is connected to Yahweh. So this king that comes, this Messiah to come, would not just be a earthly uh, govern, governing ruler. He wouldn't just be this ruler that rules uh, physical nations, but also rules spiritually. This, this ruler's power is rooted in its spirituality and rules in the midst of his enemies. And so we take it back then to verse 1, this footstool that is made of the enemies. We can take this that this Messiah would not only rule over physical enemies, but would also rule over spiritual enemies. And so since we know through the Old Testament, or through the Old Testament prophecies and fulfilled in the New Testament, that Jesus is this Messiah that we expect. Jesus is this King. Jesus is the Adonai that David is referring to. And so Jesus not only rules over the nations of the earth, but he also rules over the spiritual enemies like sin and death and chaos and, and all the things that are, that are bred through sin and, and through death. And so God rules, Jesus rules over the spiritual enemies of, of the people. And so Psalms 110 verse 3 says, The troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy majesty from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. And so the psalmist is saying that people will be willing to, to, to take up the battle for, for this Messiah, that people will be willing to fight uh, not just on physical fronts, but on spiritual fronts for the sake of this Messiah. And it would be so beautiful. This is this beautiful poetry that the psalmist is writing here, arrayed in holy majesty from the womb of the dawn, from the morning, receive the dew of your youth. The idea is that these people, these, these people who would take up this battlefront for, for the Messiah uh, would be arrayed in holy majesty. And it would be such a beautiful sight that it'd be more beautiful than the womb of the dawn, the receiving uh, of the dew. So if you imagine um, this crisp morning, just, just I, I don't know, I see, it in, I see it clearly in my mind, this crisp, beautiful morning as kind of like the, the mist rests down on the ground, just dew covering the blades of grass, and this warm sun is rising up, and just the beauty that overtakes you as this, this sun begins to warm up the area, as you see the light glistening over the dewdrops of the grass. And this is what the psalmist is, is kind of painting in, in this psalm, is painting this picture of this beautiful scene of the morning as the sun arises, uh, and we, t we can then take that too as, as kind of imagery of, of Jesus arising, of Jesus coming forth, the shining light on the earth. And then the psalmist says that those who take up the battlefront, uh, those who take up the battle here for the spiritual warfare that is happening uh, through the Messiah, uh, would be just as beautiful, even more beautiful than that scene that, psalmist, that the psalmist is painting. And then Psalms 110 verse 4 says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook beside the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. So let's take this in chunks. Verse four, uh, you are an, a, a, a forever a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Um, Melchizedek was this priest. He was the king of Salem in, in um, Genesis. So, so we know this from the story of Abraham, where Mel Melchizedek was the king of uh, Salem, which means peace. And so this king was not just the, the ruler and authority over this nation, but was also the priest who ministered before God. And so even Abraham, when he meets this king Melchizedek, this priest Melchizedek, he offers these tithes and these offerings to Melchizedek. And so the, the Yahweh, the God, the Lord here is saying that of the Adonai, of the Messiah, that the Messiah would not just be this king that would rule uh, some sort of government or some sort of nation or some sort of uh, power, but would also be a priest. 
And so this is interesting because a lot of David, David's descendants and David himself, um, they actually went back and forth between doing their kingly duties and doing their priestly duties. They actually had some priestly duties. But even David and his descendants were never above the high priest. They were never allowed to do some of the, 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 the rituals or perform some of the, uh, the duties that the high priest was allowed to perform, like going before the most holy place. And so even then, David and his descendants were still not fully priests in, in that sense. They were, they were kind of just a bit of both. But this Messiah would not just be a king, but would be forever a king priest, a kingly priest, just like Melchizedek was. And so it's beautiful because... We have this imagery of, of this Messiah conquering his enemies. And it's not just about this physical conquest of the nations like many Israelites might have expected. Uh, part of the reason why they rejected Jesus was because of that, because they expected just this physical rulership. But Psalms 10 shows us that this conquest that the Messiah would take about, this conquest that the Messiah would win, was not just about the physical, was not just about the kingly nations, but was so much more, was about the spiritual battle that would be fought. And we find that through Jesus, that Jesus, through his, through his crucifixion, through his death, through his resurrection, defeats the powers, the spiritual powers, defeats the enemy, defeats sin and death, and, and, and completely breaks the chains that are holding us back. And so this priest, this king, would not just fight on a physical front, but would fight on a spiritual front. And we find through the story of Jesus that the, the weapons of war that Jesus takes to fight in the physical front is actually counterintuitive to the weapons that, that we might expect a king to fight. Instead of fighting with swords and with shields and with spears and with arrows, we find the Messiah, Jesus, fighting with love and with mercy and, we, and with forgiveness. And so we find that this, this king, this Messiah, would come to conquer the world through, through mercy, through forgiveness, through love. Uh, and it's interesting because the psalmist then begins to uh, portray this king as a conqueror. And so uh, we read in verse 5 that the Lord is at the right hand, crushing the kings in the day of his wrath, judging the nations, heaping up the dead, crushing the rulers. Um, obviously, this is not necessarily indicative of a of a literal conquest. The, the psalmist is not saying that the Messiah would literally heap up dead bodies and crush kings, but rather it was just uh, poetic imagery of a conquest. So this, the, the psalmist writes in terms of war. The psalmist writes in terms of uh, what he knows. David was known as the warrior king. And so David writes what he knows. He knows that to conquer requires sacrifice. It requires battle. It requires armies. It requires, unfortunately, the death of, of the enemies. And so then we read in verse 7 that he will drink from the brook beside the way and therefore will lift up his head. And so this basically means that uh, this, this Messiah, this conquering would ki king, would come and would not rest. It would not stop. Uh, would not go back to his palace, but would rather pursue the enemy. And that's why it says drinks along, uh, drinks from the brook beside the way. It's this idea that this king would be so blessed that they would find uh, clean waters to, to drink, to be able to pursue and continue for this fight against uh, these enemies. And the lifting of his head just basically means uh, that this Messiah, this king, would, would not... Uh, be unsuccessful, that the Messiah would be completely successful until the enemies are defeated, until the, the dead are heaped up. Uh, but when we take this to, to, 
the Jesus, when we translate this to uh, what becomes of the actual Messiah, we find that God's conquest is complete. Uh, it may not include the crushing of kings and the heaping of dead bodies, like like the poetic imagery that David uses, but instead what, what we find is we find this Jesus who uh, is relentless, this Jesus who will not stop, uh, like, like verse 7 says, drinking from the brook beside the way, that will not stop until his enemies are defeated. And we find that through the story of the gospel, right? Where Jesus was so willing to defeat sin and death, was so willing to sacrifice on our behalf that he did not stop for anything. Even when he faced death, death by one of the most cruel and gruesome uh, manners of the time, death by the crucifixion, the whippings and the torments and the beatings that Jesus endured, uh, he didn't stop. He continued all the way until his enemies were defeated, until the enemies were made a footstool at the feet of Jesus. And so we find that the enemies aren't uh, isn't isn't humanity? It aren't. It isn't these kings and these nations like we might expect. But rather, the enemies of Jesus are uh, the things that that go against God's love, are the things that go against the kingdom that God has established of mercy and peace and justice and forgiveness. So the enemies that that the Messiah is relentless and ruthless in pursuing are those spiritual enemies that we find, uh, sin and death and, and, and the sins that we find, greed and lust and, and gluttony and, and, and uh, all of these things that we, that we might find, that we might categorize in, in, in the list of sins that we might find. This is Jesus pursuing these enemies, these spiritual enemies, until they're completely defeated. And then verse 7 ends, therefore he will lift up his head, for he is victorious. That's what the, that's what the verse means. And we find that this beautiful promise of the Messiah, that this Messiah would, would, be, would be seated at the right hand of God, would be seated with all the power and the might of God, that the rod, the mighty scepter, verse 2 says, would extend from Zion, this, this religious power that the Messiah would have, would rule in the midst of his enemies, and the troops, those who would be willing to fight with him, would be more beautiful in the dawn on the morning day. And God then promises that this Messiah would be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That the Messiah, Jesus, would not just be this, uh, this king, but would be this priest king that would rule over the people. And so we find that Jesus is this, this Messiah, this promise, this hope that we find. Uh, that Jesus rules over uh, all nations. That Jesus rules over all people. And that we find... Um, Something I forgot to mention, sorry, verse 3, it says your troops will be willing. Uh, and the word they use for willing is free will offering. This idea that these people that give themselves to the Messiah, that give themselves to Jesus, do so out of this complete love, out of this complete freedom that they experience in Jesus. And so even, with, even though we read this conquest stuff in Psalm 10, uh, we find that Jesus never subjugates his, his people. Jesus never forces his people to follow him, but rather the people out of their unfailing love, the people out of their uh, free will, out of the complete freedom that they find in this Messiah, give themselves completely uh, to the battle, give themselves completely to the service of this king, of this priest king um, in the order of Melchizedek that we find in Jesus. Uh, so so we, we find this, this beautiful psalm, Psalms 110, that shows us that Jesus is this Messiah that sits at the right hand of God, that Jesus is this Messiah who is not just the king, but is also the priest who offers us forgiveness, who offers us uh, restoration, who offers us this cleansing of the sin, and who will not stop until his enemies are defeated, until sin and death are defeated. And we find that victory through the cross and through, through the resurrection. Uh, so Psalm 110 is, is a beautiful psalm of, of the conquest of the Messiah, the conquering King Jesus, this priest Jesus who has defeated his enemies 
has defeated sin and death and now brings us freedom and love and forgiveness and a kingdom of mercy. Uh, so let's pray as we close Psalm 110. God, we are so incredibly grateful for the priests, for the king that we find in Jesus. We're grateful for the Messiah. We're grateful for the fact that, that the king doesn't subjugate his people. He doesn't force his people into service. He doesn't force his people into obedience. But out of his abundant love, we respond with free will to offer our lives to Jesus. That's what verse 3 says, that the troops that surround this Messiah do so completely free, completely willingly, that they offer themselves completely to God. And so we just pray that you would help us to offer ourselves to you, that in response to your love, in response to the amazing goodness that we experience to you, that we would give ourselves completely as living sacrifices uh, before the King, before the Messiah. And we just, we just pray and, and we praise for the victory that, uh, that we experience through the cross, for the victory that we experience through the resurrection, that we are no longer chained and bound by sin. We are no longer bound by death, but rather we are freed through the victory that Jesus achieves on the cross, the victory that Jesus achieves through the resurrection. And so we're grateful for a God that is relentless, relentless in his love for us and relentless in his plans to bring us salvation. So we thank you for Jesus. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So join us tomorrow uh, at 12 p.m. here on Facebook Live as we read Psalm 112. We're reading uh, Psalm 112 tomorrow. Uh, but as always, if you found something interesting in Psalm 110, uh, maybe your own take, maybe something that you found uh, promising or something beautiful in Psalm 110, please feel free to leave it in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and again, if you have prayer requests, if you have needs, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to support you in any way we can. Uh, feel free to either private message me or to leave it in the comments below. We'd love to just be praying about you and praying for you as well. Uh, but again, join us tomorrow as we read Psalm 112. And we just pray that God's richest blessings go before you and that the rest of your day, the rest of your week uh, be blessed. Amen.